Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. Every week we break down the most important beauty news and launches, interview your favorite beauty experts, influencers, and celebrity guests, and review our favorite beauty products of the moment as your beauty editor BFFs from the beautiful and great city of Los Angeles. Welcome Glamgelinos! We hope you stay a while. Cute. That's cute. Sarah, are you watching the mayor of Easttown? Or it's not the mayor. Mayor of Easttown. I just started. I just started. Holy hell. I'm I'm like confused a little bit. Um, I'm still like in the very first episode. So okay. please do not spoil. I will not. Is s- it worth my time? Yes. I binged it. I just saw a bunch of people tweeting about it last Sunday and I was like, all right, I'm going to be binging this. Binged? Oh my God. Are you okay emotionally? No, I'm not because the show has like taken every fiber of my emotional well-being. It is crazy. You, okay. When you get to episode five, which is the most recent episode, you have to binge it before this next Sunday. This show, admittedly, I was like, why the hell is Kate Winslet doing some TV show? That was my first thought. I have to stop these thoughts because I'm always wrong. The thought should have been, if Kate Winslet's attached, mm-hmm. she knows what's up. This is going to be a good show. Plus, I mean, as we've learned, HBO... Big Little Lies, Sharp Objects, Insecure. It's like my favorite place for pro- TV programming. I am a big fan of HBO Max. I'm also a big fan of Peacock. Just putting that out there. Okay. Because I can binge all the old shows that I did not watch when they were actually popular. Yes. Okay. This We do not have anybody from HBO Max on the show today. <laughs> it's not Kate Winslet. <laughs> but equally as exciting... We have Michelle Fawn on the pod, the OG, the godmother of YouTube, of beauty YouTube. The reason we all exist today in beauty. (laughs) She created this. Yes, she created beauty. (laughs) She essentially did. So we had had requests for Michelle. And it's so funny because sometimes I try to think of who our listeners want on the pod. Are they into YouTube? Are they just in for in it for the edutainment of it all? Like, who do they want to hear on this podcast? And it runs the gamut. It's everyone from, like, Pat McGrath to Michelle Fawn to Hiram to Renee Rouleau to Charlotte Cho. I mean, there's not just one particular type of person that they want to be a guest. And so... We got offered the opportunity to interview Michelle. We were like, hell yeah, let's do this thing. And she's just as, she's just like. She's real. ASMR IRL. ASMR IRL. She keeps it real. Like, I think that like the Michelle phone that we see on YouTube, on Instagram is like, that's who she really is. Like, she is truly very Mm -hmm. like genuinely herself. And she walked away from her beauty empire, essentially, on YouTube when 
she was at the height of it all. And most people would not do that. And she's going to talk a lot about that and and this decision behind it and why and um, how she kind of feels about that situation now. For those of you who are not familiar with Michelle Phan, she is the godmother of Beauty YouTube. She launched her channel in 2007. She was really one of the first people to even do any type of beauty tutorial on the internet. She rose to fame because she used makeup as a transformative art. It wasn't just here's how to do like a natural smoky eye. It was here's how to get Lady Gaga's eyes. And and there was this theatricality to her videos. And when you watch a Michelle Vaughn, Michelle Phan video, it's very distinct from other YouTube tutorials. So she launched her own brand, M Cosmetics, in 2013. She notoriously bought that brand back from L'Oreal. She launched it with them and bought them back, bought it back, which I tip my hat. That's incredible. Um, and now she runs it on her own. Um, obviously, she has a team, but it's no longer under the L'Oreal umbrella. And she's launched a ton of businesses. The reason Ipsy exists is because of Michelle Phan. She co-founded the beauty bag, beauty box idea. I don't know if she's still... Um, involved with ipsy but she is she was one of the co-founders she's launched so many other businesses in a variety of fields so really she is an entrepreneur she's a very smart businesswoman um she knows what she wants and today she's kind of covering everything what she talks about bitcoin she's super passionate about bitcoin she talks about yes talks about bitcoin uh we just want to say that we are not experts in bitcoin we are not experts in finance um we're not offering you financial advice yes we're not telling you that after listening to this episode to like take all your cash monies out and like invest in bitcoin um but she does have some interesting things to say about bitcoin so just a uh fyi there uh she talks a lot about astrology um and and then she also touches on organic beauty records yeah okay so she'll talk about trends and stuff and what she's seeing she's gonna touch on organic beauty i think that there were there was like maybe a miscommunication in how she was relaying it she i she says that organic beauty products are not regulated organic beauty products actually are regulated if if they are organic they have to be USDA certified to be organic. Clean and natural products are the ones that aren't regulated under the FDA. So we just wanted to clarify that. We think it, she just misspoke, um, but we did want to touch on that. But she came on because she launched a new product through M this past Sunday. It is the Moonbeam Cushion Highlighter. Y'all, this is a beautiful highlighter. It's in a cushion compact, so think Amora Pacific or... Um, uh, why am I blanking on name? Misha. Sulawasu. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much like K-Beauty K- inspired. Yep. And instead of it being a coverage product, it's a highlighter. It comes in three shades. It's so, so beautiful. Um, And Michelle wanted to offer our listeners a discount at M Cosmetics. So if you go to their website, EM Cosmetics, use code GLOSS, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. And the code is good for one month post the launch of this episode so it will be available until june 21st woohoo amazing go get your m moonbeam um we love the lippies oh yes stock up and we're just super excited to have michelle on the show today so enjoy the interview and we will talk to you on tuesday 
Okay, Glamgelinos, I don't need to give this next guest a introduction because she doesn't need it, quite frankly. We are all fans of hers, and uh, it's been a long time coming. We were like trying to get Michelle on this podcast for so long, and the day is finally here. So here she is, Michelle Vaughn. Hello. Thanks for having me. Michelle, it's weird seeing you. Like, I know we're not in real life. This is via Zoom. But I feel like I've heard your voice, like, consistently for the last 10 years that it's so crazy actually getting to have the conversation with you. Yeah, where we're not just also watching her do a tutorial or, like, watching an interview of you. It's surreal. I'm a real person. I'm not an AI, I promise. (laughs) Your voice is so soothing, though. I feel like your videos just transcend beauty because people just want to listen to you talk. Thank you. I was inspired by Bob Ross, though. I would always just have his, you know, PBS have it on the background and just listen to his soothing, calming voice as he's like painting happy clouds and happy trees. When he does the trees, it almost is like a massage. I know that sounds so weird, but it's like a tingly feeling. Oddly satisfying. But totally know what you mean. I'm sure people do the same. Just have your videos playing in the background because it's like extremely soothing to listen and to watch. It is weird though. Like I'm sure you've heard your own voice and you're like, wait, I sound like that? That's so weird. You kind of cringe, right? So yeah, I I can't watch my own videos. Like once it's uploaded, it's done. I I just don't watch it again. I, I move forward with the next one. Oh my God. That is something that I have had to learn with the podcast is having to listen back to yourself. It's always uncomfortable. We have to do it. It's a good way to learn. (laughs) We uh, start every episode with a question called, What's on your face? (laughs) I actually just have my brows on and skincare and that's it. I know it's underwhelming. (laughs) It's so underwhelming. Like, oh, womp womp. But that's pretty much it. I have the La Mer Concentrate on because I love using it as like a primer and it's just great because last night... I accidentally slept with my uh, makeup on and sometimes it happens, you know, you're working really late, but I was actually playing uh, Wild Rift on my phone and I was playing till 3 a.m. And I'm like, oh, I should wash my face. But then there's that point of no return where you're just committed to just, okay, in the morning, I'll do like a deep skincare ritual and apologize to my skin, but like show it some love. So that's what I did this morning. And that's why I kind of refrain from wearing too much makeup. I'm just giving my skin that breathing room where I can just have a moment to like regenerate if that makes sense we both are fans of the concentrate so we are right there with you and I love that you are admitting that you sometimes fall asleep with your makeup on yeah it happens I know like I have friends who they go like but this was before COVID so they would actually go out partying a lot they'll have a bag of makeup wipes next to their bed just in case it's like their break in case of emergency because they know it's makeup wipes are not necessarily like the best for your face but I was thinking to myself I should have that that's a really good uh, technique you grew up in nail salons because your mom was a nail tech she had her own business I'm curious how her influence and the influence of being in a salon a lot growing up helped you create your beauty content when you started you know your blog and then your YouTube channel did, did you always want to focus on beauty or did you just want to create I just wanted to create but I noticed Anything that involved beauty, whether it was a tutorial, and this was before YouTube, I had a blog. Uh, It was on this um, platform called Zanga. So I would upload like my drawings and just like my life, but then it was the beauty content that just had the most engagement. And so naturally it just made sense for me to 
kind of move forward with beauty and focus on that more. And yeah, it's true. My mom's salon actually really did help shape and mold my beauty philosophy and love for it. I think a lot of it had to do with the magazines because there was like a waiting area. You know, when you go to a salon, there's always like a waiting area and there's like a bunch of magazines. And before the internet, that's all I had were these magazines. And I would just, after school, I would go to the salon and help her with appointments and cleaning up. And during my free time after homework, I would just dive into the magazines. And that was really where I got my love for beauty. One of my favorite magazines at the time was Allure because I think that was the only magazine that focused on beauty at the time. But I don't know if you remember the other magazines like Mademoiselle. That was another one that I really liked. There was like, oh gosh, I'm looking back. You know what's funny? A month ago, I, I kind of wanted to find these magazines again because I was feeling really nostalgic. So I went on eBay and they're actually really hard to find these 90s magazines. So yeah, that was really where I found my first love for beauty. And the irony is that I didn't have makeup to play with. It was just kind of like a way for me to experience beauty, but I wasn't able to touch and play with it. But I was able to live vicariously through my mom who every morning she would put her makeup on and she never wanted me to play with makeup. Cause you know, when you're a kid, I guess in a way, like you are naturally beautiful. You don't really need makeup. Not that anyone needs it, but looking back now, I actually understand why she didn't want me to apply makeup because she really wanted me to enjoy my youthful beauty that I already naturally had. I'm actually really grateful for her because I, I look at kids today and they're as young as eight and they're already doing full face makeup. It's insane because the access to the information and products are so easy. And also there's a lot of really great makeup that's inexpensive too. I feel lucky that my mom, she was looking out for my best interest, but that being said, it actually didn't suppress my love for beauty. It wasn't until I would say college was when I was able to make my own money and buy my own makeup. And also I was living away from my mom. So I was finally able to explore this side that's been suppressed for so long, which is beauty. Do you remember the first beauty product you bought? Oh my God, I was just going to ask the same question. I mean, I don't consider it like makeup, but you know, I feel like everyone had lip gloss. Like, do you guys remember um, NYC lip gloss? It was a dollar yes. in this rollerball. Mm -hmm. And it the rollerball would always fall off and my bag would be just sticky and gooey at the end of the day. But it was a dollar. You can't really complain. <laughs> but I would say my, my first real, real makeup item was um, a liquid liner. Oh. I never really wore makeup. And I went to this, I think it was like a Shiseido counter. We were at a mall and, my, you know, they were passing out free stuff. And she just wanted to give me like a little makeover. So she did a cat liner on me. And I remember looking at the mirror and I didn't know who I was looking at. Like, who is this person? Like, that's crazy how, what eyeliner can do for you. Like it just completely changed my eye shape and everything. And ever since then I wanted to wear eyeliner. So like my mom didn't allow me to, but when I'm at school, she doesn't know. So that's where I'm putting my eyeliner on. Cause you know, you want to look cute and there's like crushes you have and you want to look mad cute for them oh my gosh I remember gathering in the girls bathroom and all the girls would be doing their makeup because we weren't allowed to wear it at home right so we were like taking it out of our backpacks out of our locker rooms totally when you transitioned from you know your blog to YouTube what was your idea of beauty back then obviously you were saying that you were realizing that beauty content had the most engagement but Mm -hmm. In your eyes, what did that look like to you? Like, what was your idea of beauty? That's a good question. 
I would say at the time, beauty was really my creative outlet. It was a way for me to experiment with my face and feel good about myself because I think like in a way beauty is, it's a more expressive form of self-care, if that makes sense. And I just always felt better when I did makeup. And at the time, I don't really think I had a philosophy. It was it was still so new to me. I was still experimenting so much with different products like brows. I didn't really know how to do my brows. And the moment I started filling in my brows, I, again, like I didn't recognize myself. Like, who is this person? Like, wow, I look better. Like, I didn't realize also, I didn't have a lot of brow hairs. You don't know what you lack or you have a lot of until you're experimenting. And so this was my phase of self-discovery. And I guess in a way I documented this journey with my YouTube channel. Like I was showing people how to do a smoky eye, but that was the first time I did a smoky eye. I had no idea how to do it. You know, I'm like how to do a basic smoky eye, but in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm learning along the way too. So I'm going to show everyone how I'm learning. So I would say like the beginning days was really just trying new things. Like I was learning about color correcting makeup products, like using like a mint green, if you have redness on your skin and then you use um, foundation over it. And this was before like all the TikTok hacks and everything. I would dive deep into beauty books by like Bobby Brown, Kevin O'Quan, you know, the masters in this world and kind of like applying it into my own life. And I think from there, it kind of took on its own form. It wasn't until I did this transformation video. It was a Lady Gaga video. That was when I discovered a new part of makeup, which was you can completely change your face and in a way change your identity. So that was really fun for me too, was exploring all these different facets and also showing the power of makeup and how, I think there's a saying, I, I can't quote it exactly, but there's no such thing as an ugly person, just a lazy person. I'm not to say like <laughs> ugly people are lazy, but it's true. Like if you actually put effort into just knowing where to apply your makeup, using the right products and knowing how to style yourself in a way, like everyone can have their own version of a, a real glow up, right? So I think that was also important for me to show people that, hey, I'm Asian, but I could make myself look like Taylor Swift. <laughs> you know, that's the power of makeup and like a good wig, of course. Yeah, I mean, I remember that Lady Gaga video coming out and as the children would say, I was shooketh. I couldn't believe it. And I think it, mostly was because you brought this theatricality to a YouTube tutorial. As a pioneer on YouTube and in the beauty tutorial space, I'm curious, who right now do you think is doing some really awesome things when it comes to not just beauty, but content creation? You mentioned TikTok. Are you tuned into TikTok? Do you love TikTok? Uh, Sarah and I both love it. We think it's great. I like TikTok. I think it's fun. It's super digestible. Um, like the thing is like, you can just endlessly scroll and just be entertained. So I like TikTok for entertainment. I like TikTok just to discover new hacks. But then on YouTube, I like going on YouTube if I want to leave something on in the background for, for a long time. Like it's kind of like my ambient background. And there's actually like really cool YouTubers that are doing interesting concepts that I haven't seen before. Like there's this one YouTuber, his name is Bald and Bankrupt. And he's this British guy and it's just him, just his camera. And he goes to the most remote places, the most interesting places. And even like he'll go to the most um, dangerous places in the world and he'll show like, it's not that dangerous. It's actually not that bad. And it's just his camera. There's no crew. 
And there's something very human about his experience where I haven't seen this in, on other travel channels where they, you know, they have a crew, it's very edited. Like he's just holding his camera and just walking and talking and he's giving insights on the history of the land and the people. And you'll see like someone sees him on the street and they're like, Hey, you want to come in our house and eat? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he'll like sit in like a babushka's house and she's like by herself and she's like making him food and she's giving him her own homemade uh, vodka and he's drinking it. Like, that's amazing. Like you can't see that on TV or even other channels that are focusing on travels. So I like that his content, there's this, it just feels like you're there. I mean, of course, like you have the bigger YouTubers that are doing fun challenges, like Mr. Beast. I feel like his content's always fun. It's very positive. To be honest, I kind of fell off of following all the trends because it's kind of like when you're in high school and you were the most popular kid and then you graduated. And then five years later, you're going back to high school again. You're like, I don't know anyone. I'm an <laughs> alumni. I feel old. I don't feel trendy. I'm not trying to be trendy or anything. So it's interesting seeing the development of just the space, even what's happening right now in the beauty space and how after I took my hiatus or during the time I was taking my hiatus, that was when a lot of these drama channels came out and that became the new entertainment of beauty. It was no longer really about tips and tricks and education. It was more about gossip and tea basically and drama. So I thought that was interesting because I'm someone who I kind of try my best to stay away from dramas and I don't really like talking about or spilling tea on anyone. That's just really not who I am as a person. So there was a moment where I felt like, oh, I don't belong here anymore, even though I started this. But now I feel like this isn't my world anymore. It feels so alien to me. So that was when I just kind of focused on my business and I was getting into like crypto and just learning about new spaces. But what's interesting about TikTok is it really truly does feel like the early beginnings of YouTube where a lot of these uh, TikTokers who blew up, they were just doing it in their bedroom for fun. They weren't trying to make a career. Like today, if you want to be a YouTuber, it's very established. You can actually have a crew, you can build a career, you can have a brand. I see TikTok is different. It feels more authentic. The people there feel more real. And also the people there are younger. It's mostly uh, Gen Zs, like very young Gen Zs, and they found an audience. And I think there's something really beautiful about that because I'm seeing like it's cyclical, you know, like I saw the first wave of YouTube and then witnessed so many different waves of other YouTubers. And so we're at the beginning of TikTokers and we're probably going to see a whole wave and, but they're going through the wave faster. Like now there's, you know, there's also like drama channels on TikTok where they talk about other TikTokers and their dramas and everything. So I'm like, wow, this just, this happened like really fast. Like it, it didn't take like five years for this to be established like on YouTube. So it's interesting seeing that and kind of witnessing it on the sidelines and knowing like, yeah, I've been there, done that, but glad I'm not in that world right now because it is extremely, it's just very overwhelming being in that space. Like I know a few TikTokers and they do tell me that um, they feel so much pressure. They, they're already feeling burnt out. And th these are people who are making like, you know, 30 second videos and if you look at it in comparison to YouTubers who are making videos that, that are at least like 10 minutes long, like it's so different. Like the burnout is real, but you see that the burnout is becoming faster on TikTok because the demand for content is more. Like I know yeah. some some of them are like, I, I need to make five TikToks a day. It's like, what? That's crazy. I can barely make one a day, you know? Like, so it's just like a different level of bandwidth that I'm not familiar with. And so that's why I believe 
like mental health is going to be so crucial for this generation of creators because I'm seeing like how so many of them, they have so much pressure. And then I'm seeing that they are going through the same cycles as the first wave of YouTubers where they sign up for an agency and maybe the agency is good, but a lot of them don't really have their best interests and they're taking like 50% of all of their revenue. And I'm like, 50%, like what you sign that, but they're like, Oh, I didn't know. And so like there, there are in a way I see them as predators, you know, who are preying on vulnerable and young talents who are not informed about what their value is like no like if you have like 50 million followers they should not be taking 50 percent of your revenue they should not be forcing you to do all this work and so it's really sad seeing that but you know unfortunately they sign a contract they don't have a lawyer and they're stuck in it for three years and it's the same thing I saw years ago on YouTube same thing happened in a way like I do believe that there is a silver lining the silver lining being that I'm noticing also like Gen Z, they're smarter. Like they learn from our mistakes on YouTube. And so they're smarter, they're more conscious, they're more uh, vocal on um, being an activist and also standing for what they believe in, which I think is like, that's awesome. You know, like I grew up where I was told, don't talk about politics, you know, don't talk about your viewpoints because you don't want to offend anyone. And this generation's like, I don't care about offending anyone. You know, this is what I believe in, this is what I fight for. So I find that incredibly admirable but it's so interesting seeing how different our generations are because I'm a millennial and then my mom she's a gen x and so my mom is telling me like my generation's so different like yeah that's that's true so it's so crazy seeing how the internet has brought all generations together and you're kind of seeing so many different point of views and everything I hope in the end of it reading and being exposed to all these different comments and point of views and perspectives it can help us understand each other better and maybe hopefully lead to a better future. Do you feel like you can be a successful YouTuber or TikTok influencer by staying out of all of the drama? I mean, it's very possible. Like, look at Bretman Rock. He isn't really known for being in dramas, even though he's friends with people who are in that world, but he's very... He's outside of that. He's kind of beyond that. So I, I think there are people who can be extremely successful. However, it's a great way to kind of propel and to get people to notice you because like I remember back in like the early 2000s, there was a bunch of rappers in the hip hop space who had beef with each other. And so they would make album about basically like beefing each other. And in a way, because that beef was so public, people bought both albums and they both benefited from it. I kind of see similarities in that marketing philosophy in a way, not saying this is marketing, but some people think it is. I mean, there's a whole conspiracy. The thing is, I don't know. I have no idea because I don't really know a lot of these people on a personal level. Like I meet them at events and, you know, they're nice. Of course, everyone's nice when you meet them, but you don't really know who they are behind closed doors. And for myself included, I'm, I'm pretty private and I, I'm an introvert, so I don't really know them, but I do know that I can see the appeal of using drama to just to get more clout because at the end, like, you know, you've heard that saying that phrase, like bad press is good press because people are talking about you. That's one strategy, but I think it depends really on your own spiritual bandwidth, if that makes sense, energetic bandwidth. Like if you are totally fine 
with people talking crap about you and you can start dramas and it doesn't really bother you, then it's okay if you do it, if you feel like it's fine for you. But I know there's a lot of people who can't handle because they're sensitive, energetically speaking, it's so overwhelming for them and their mental health. Um, and so maybe it's, it's best to not venture into that lane. You know, I'm the type of person where I like to protect my energy. So I find that dramas, it can be entertaining, but I don't feel like it helps me on other interests in my life. Like it doesn't help me with investments or building businesses, or I don't find that it helps me with understanding the world more, if that makes sense. Like I understand that person, but do I really? What we see in the public face doesn't really reflect what's actually happening. I guess in the end, like my stance on it is that I really think it's a waste of time and there's better time spent on yourself, like take care of yourself, you know, educate yourself on other things that you enjoy. That's always been my belief. I know for a fact, if I wanted to blow up, all I have to do is make a video where I spill tea. I know that, but I don't know. That's just not me. So I think if people recognize who they are, it can help them navigate how they want to market themselves, make their content grow, call someone else out or whatever. But I've always been a huge believer that if you really have beef with someone, just call them, text them, take it offline. Like I always thought it was weird. Like, why are you calling them out publicly? You kind of want attention or you kind of want people to side with you. I mean, that's this is just how I see it. I don't know. It's just weird for me. Maybe I'm just old. That makes complete sense to like a normal person. Yeah, that's how most people see it. And I was going to say, if you see a video or TikTok or whatever, and you're thinking to yourself, why in the world would this person make this video? This seems like in such poor taste, or this seems like a really bad idea. Chances are they want to start drama and they wanted it to go viral and they know that the T accounts are going to cover it. And they make money off of it. Yes, yes, correct. That's kind of how I try to process it now. I'm like, okay, this person's hustling. <laughs> Maybe a different way than I'm hustling. Maybe they're not as talented in whatever aspect, whatever industry, whatever world they're in. And so their only way to get clout, I guess, is to start drama. So I'm glad you brought that up just because for Sarah and I, we love our YouTuber friends. We love our beauty influencer friends. And most of the people that we connect with are not drama filled creators, right? And they have a lot of respect put on their name. And I love that you brought up Bretman because Bretman's so fun. Have you seen his MTV show? He's hilarious. Him with his sister and his mom, like it kills me every single time. He says what he feels, but he stays out of the drama and everybody loves him. So I think he's a perfect example. Okay. So you were talking about your energy and, you know, spirituality, which leads us to our next question. We heard that you lead your team based on astrology. Is this true? I did an interview where I talked about my hiring process. And I feel like some of my quotes were taken out of context. Like they didn't put out the whole thing because people literally, I, I got so much hate after that article came out where they're like, that's illegal. Like you're hiring people based on their astrology. It's like, no, bro, bro, come on, man. Like I'm not hiring people based on their astrology. She's a businesswoman at the end of the day. Exactly. Like at the end of the day, what matters most to me is if you are competent and if you're qualified first, if you're competent and qualified for the role, then from there, I've had this uh, so many times where I'm interviewing people and we have like two really great leads. Like we can't choose, right? And so like, how do you decide? Well, it's not astrology, but like how I see it is, it's how does this person fit the company culture? And astrology does help 
with this process. Does it determine the final answer? Absolutely not. But it helps because I know everyone's sign. I know everyone's sun sign, moon sign. That's important. And I know a lot, a lot of my teammates, uh, Mercury signs and how they work, how they communicate. Because I've experienced in the past where we would hire people because they're qualified on paper, right? They're, they're great in interviews, but then when they start working, they just clash with the team. And I know like there's Myers-Briggs test for that. And, you know, we went through that too, but then like, you can kind of fake that in a way, right? You can, you can, you actually can, if you know how to answer stuff. So we're like, wait, this person was supposed to be, I mean, based on the Myers, like based on everything, they were supposed to be the perfect fit, but then they're not. And then it's hard to, you know, you can't just fire them right away. You know, there's a whole process and everything of the team. They're having a really hard time with this person. Like, like when we give so many chances, like there's so many chances you can give where you're like, oh, well, this is not going to work overall. So like, what do you do? And so that's why when I decided, because on my own personal life, I do take astrology into, into my own personal philosophy when I'm engaging with my friends. So for example, just to give an example, if I'm with a bunch of my friends who are all fire signs, like they're Leo, Sagittarius and Aries, like myself, I don't beat around the bush. I'm very blunt, honest, and I don't feel like I have to cushion my words. Like I just keep things real and no one's offended because everyone's doing the same, right? If I'm hanging out with my friends who are more water signs, um, so they're more sensitive and everything, like I'm flowery with my words. But that doesn't mean I'm fake. I'm not fake at all. It's just I am shifting my energy so that it's harmonious with theirs, their communication language. That's how I see it. I'm matching them in a way. So me knowing their signs, I am able to match them better. Instead, before, like, I would think, oh my gosh, I don't get along with this person. Why are they so sensitive? Oh, whatever. But then it's like, no, it's actually like, this is why they're sensitive. And now I'm not mad about it. I understand. And so that's what it really is. Astrology helps me understand the person and not to say astrology determines personalities, because I actually don't believe in that at all. I believe personalities are determined by uh, nature, nurture, genetics, your socioeconomics. There's so many other outside elements and influences outside of astrology. But how I see astrology is they're tints of energy, if that makes sense. So people are like, what do you mean by that? Like, well, think about it like this. Like, you know, our moon influences the tides of the ocean, right? And like, yes. And like, okay, we know that it has a gravitational effect on the, the ocean. So if we're made out of 80% water, isn't it interesting how like when there's a full moon, people are affected by it, like they're either more emotional, or they feel more energetic, because it is affecting our homeostasis, you know, because we're made out of water. And so that's definitely going to have an effect on our hormones and everything. So if that's a moon, which is a very small satellite in space. Imagine a giant planet like Jupiter and Saturn that's so far away, but if they're shifting, like that's going to have some sort of energetic effect on us, right? Now, I am not going to lay out the science. I'm not an astronomer or anything, but I will say that just my own personal experience, what I've been able to learn about the space and applying it into my own personal life, it has helped me tremendously with my communication skills. And so, way back to the hiring process, when we're determining be between like two people, at the end of the day, company culture, and the person that will be managing this person, I want to make sure they get along. I let them decide like, hey, I know you're a Gemini. One candidate is a Capricorn and their moon sign is this. The other candidate is a Aries moon, uh, moon sign is this. 
you spoke to them, how do you feel? And they think about, oh gosh, my husband is a so-and-so and I know my sister's and so-and-so. And you know what's crazy? Every single hire we've had since we've applied this, it's been great. Like no complaints. It's not like I'm telling them, oh yeah, you should use astrology. Like they're thinking about it too. Like, oh, what's your sign? <laughs> um, but that's the extent of that. Like does astrology control how we work? Like absolutely not. Like I don't, I don't tell everyone, hey, don't sign any paperwork because it's Mercury retrograde, right? I don't <laughs> like, that's not my stance. Like I'm not that militant on astrology. I see it more just as a way to really just understand people and using signs to connect with them. So hopefully people who are listening to this, they hear the full extent of my explanation and it's not just like in quotes or anything and nothing is taken out of context. No, that, okay. I'm glad that you clarified that because that's where we got that information. I love your explanation because that's how I think Sarah and I apply astrology. I know sometimes like we'll get messages from listeners and they're like, what's this astrology talk? And we're like, we truly feel like it does help you understand other people. Even if that person is not an astrology believer, like I, when I apply it to my own life, I see the benefits of doing it. And I don't know. I, I love it. I actually am listening to a podcast called Moon Matters. Have you heard of it? No, that's a cute name, though. It's a great name. And I just started listening to it this week. And I'm obsessed with the host. I wish I could remember her name, because she's so incredible. She has this amazing voice. And if you're remotely curious about astrology, and what your rising sign is, or your moon sign, she loves to focus on the moon. Do you guys know your moon signs at all? Yes. What's your sun sign? Okay, I'm a Capricorn okay. sun. And my moon sign is Scorpio. Oh, very fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am also a Capricorn. And my moon sign is Aries. I see. Okay. Oh, Michelle's all analyzing us now. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what are your first impressions, Michelle? I mean, like, I don't want to generalize knowing. So with Kirby, knowing that you you have a Capricorn and then a Scorpio moon sign, like Scorpio moons are no like, especially women, they're just known for being extremely, they just love secrets. They love mysticism. Scorpios are known for being linked to magic. And that's why there's this um, element of this mercury to them where it's a very unknown. And so like a lot of Scorpio moons that I know, they're just very receptive to emotions when I hang out with them. So like a lot of the Scorpio moons and they have a different sun sign. It's almost like I'm talking to two different people when I hang out with them in public and when I hang out with them at home, they're like a completely different person. They're, they're just more raw and um, extremely loyal, um, great at keeping secrets from my own personal experience. They are also extremely in tune with energies. And so that's why I was saying like, they're so good with understanding like my emotions. Like I don't have to say anything to them and they just already know something's wrong. That's been my experience with uh, Scorpio moons. And with Capricorn, I wonder if there's like conflicting energies. Like sometimes do you ever feel like really conflicted with yourself? My entire chart, I'm just conflicted because my rising sign is cancer. So oh. I have all of these elements. And the more that I learn about my moon sign and how it relates to everything else in my chart, I'm like, oh, this is why I struggle in certain aspects mm. of my like personality and career. But yeah, it's it's been really cool. This this podcast actually has been really, really helpful. 
yeah and Sarah like with with your Aries moon just so much passion like Aries moon are just known for just being um extremely fiery what's the word I'm looking for because I'm an Aries uh, but your moon sign kind of reflects who you are when you're at home when you're comfortable when you feel your most self even though like your Capricorn is a sun sometimes you actually might feel more Aries you know you just feel like oftentimes impulsive like I'm impulsive so you might make emotional decisions impulsively without thinking things through but your Capricorn sun actually helps you with that so in a way your Aries moon and your Capricorn sun actually helps balance you out or else like you don't want to think too logically and be too rigid or you don't want to be too emotional and make impulsive decisions. So in a way, like if I were to know your sign right now, I would consider like, oh, well, yeah, this person would be great to be a business partner with. I could be a business partner with this person because um, they'll, they'll be extremely organized and incredibly passionate. I love that. I feel like uh, we should pay Michelle now for her time and her analysis What's funny is I love doing this. Like the other night, my sister, she's like talking to this guy and I have this weird talent where I can guess people's sign without even meeting them. Like I hear a little bit about them. Like, oh yeah, this person is totally yada, yada. Even though I know I shouldn't generalize, but you know, it's, it's for fun. It's just like for funsies. And I was able to get his moon, his sun and his rising all in one try. Chai Nicholas who? Watch out. Oh my God. That's hilarious. It's I love so it. so fun. Okay. So you brought up moon signs and I think this is the perfect segue to talk about a new product from M, which I have on and it's, yes. Do you see this? This is freaking gorge. I do. I see a moon, moonbeam on you. Which one are you wearing? This is awesome, Michelle. So it's called moonbeam cushion highlighter. I'm wearing aura. Actually, I'm not wearing aura. I'm wearing halo. And then we have Aura, and then this is Halo. So Halo is more of like this sil, is it, would you say more silvery? Like Yeah, Halo is more like the glass skin look. I use Halo if I want glass skin. I'll use Aura if I want more of this, um, a touch of gold highlighter, like a touch of yellow gold. And there's like hints of green undertones to it too. So we were able to neutralize it so it doesn't skew too warm. And of course, there's Divinity, um, which I, I love using it if I want to have more of like a glow glow. But I'm glad you, you enjoy a moonbeam cushion. I was actually worried when, um, as we were developing this product, because cushion is not as popular in America as it is in Asia. And um, I also feel like uh, highlighters have been done, overdone so many times. Everyone has seen so many different formats and even I was thinking to myself, well, how can I make this format interesting or at least different? And cushion just make, made the most sense because I wanted something liquid, but not in a bottle um, and not in a powder format. I wanted something that felt cushiony too. That's also portable with you. You can bring your highlighter to go with you. But something I wanted to just a, a quick advice. I know there's a, a puff that comes with it, but actually you don't really need a puff. You just need your fingers. We just added a puff because it would be weird without having it there. But what I like to do sometimes is I'll use the puff. I will actually like soak the puff and I use my finger and I dab the puff instead of sticking my finger directly into the sponge where you're like, sometimes like it goes into your nails and everything's like, oh, it's kind of gross. So I'll use the puff in the cushion and then I take my fingers and I tap the puff and then I apply with my fingers. So I have to tell you, I freaking love the puff. I'm glad that you put it in there. And for those of you that are listening that are not sure exactly what we're talking about, the highlighter is like a cushion compact. So you're not having to worry about, like Michelle said, it's 
It's not like a liquid that you put out in a pump or you have a wand that you're applying directly to your face. It's so cute and tiny. Like it's the perfect amount of highlighter. It has a mirror on it. And I just love that you can, I like kind of dip it in and get a little bit. And then I'm going to try it actually your way. I'll do a little bit on my finger. Yeah, because it comes right off and you can just dab it right on. And it just gives you this really natural glow. Like I, I mean... I know we're on Zoom, but damn, that's a good highlight right there. I'm obsessed. And I like to put it right on the apples of my cheeks. That's the best. Because it just gives that little, like, you know, baby glow. But I have to tell you, like, Sarah, have you seen a highlighter like this before? I've never used a highlighter in this format. And I'm I'm like, this is genius. They should all be like this. <laughs> I think I've tried one other brand but I didn't like it because it came out kind of chalky on my skin because I personally love cushion compacts, especially because I have dry skin. So anytime anything comes out in, in cushion form, I try it. It looks so beautiful on you, Kirby. Thank you. And I also have to shout out her Lip Cushion Tinted Lip Luminizer. I'm wearing it in Venetian Rose. This stuff is like butter. It's like butter. It's like a grown-up lip balm. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes, I love it. It's great. You should get, we should send you, um, my favorite shade is Angel, which is this beautiful pink. It just gives you that perfect tint of pink that looks like you had like a lollipop, you know, like the, what, not a lollipop, but you know, like. Like a popsicle. Yeah, exactly. Like a little slight popsicle stain. That's what we are always striving to look like. Yeah. Especially in the summer. <laughs> just sucked on a lollipop or on a popsicle. There's a lot of skincare actives in there, like niacinamide. Because that's always been my biggest philosophy is makeup and skincare. So important. They go hand in hand, like good skincare and good makeup too. So we want to talk to you about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency because Kirby and I know nothing about blockchain technology. We know that you know a lot and that it's something that we should know more about. So can you tell us why, <laughs> I like Kirby's though. I really just want to know what the hell this is and if it's catching on. <laughs> is it something that we should be investing in? So there's crypto and then there's Bitcoin. And I separate the two because Bitcoin was the first. It's the protocol. I consider it the marketplace. It's a true open marketplace. And how I describe that to people is, so for example, let's say you have family in Nepal. You want to send money to your family in Nepal, but there's only like a few ways you can do it, uh, either through the bank or Western Union. There's always like this delay. It always takes a few days. I didn't know this, but when I was also sending money to help out someone uh, overseas, literally my financial manager is like, oh, by the way, it might be lost. And so the money might literally be lost. I'm like, what do you mean lost? Like, what? And so when you understand the whole process of how the banking system works, like oftentimes a lot of them don't even have the money. That's why like you notice like when you send money, it takes a few days because they're trying to find the money somewhere else because a lot of the money has been speculated on the market, like in stock markets and everything. And they buy back stocks like Apple shares. I mean, this is a whole other topic. So just showing you the complexity of the banking system and how literally if you think about it, every single person in this world that's in this globalized world, we are working for money. We are putting our time for money, but have you ever asked yourself, what is money? You know, I had, at one point I had to ask myself, what the hell is money? <laughs> you know, like I want to understand the history of money. And the more I read about it and learned about it myself, the more I saw that the value of the dollar used to be backed up by gold. And it wasn't until the Vietnam war, which is the war that affected my mom. It was shifted over to petroleum. 
and it changed. And because of that, that's why basically the banks can just print unlimited money. And so what happens when you have unlimited money is you have inflation and the value goes down. And that affects everyone. That affects the marketplace. That affects how you work because now people are noticing they can't just have a normal job. They need to have several side gigs to maintain a living. Like I have a friend who has a job at, they're a manager at like a grocery store, but they still have to drive Uber cars in order to make extra money to maintain their lifestyle, which is a normal lifestyle. They're not going on like vacations uh, every year. So it kind of shows how much our money is worth, which is not a lot. And that's why it's so important to understand because if you're putting so much of your own human energy into this money, you don't want it to depreciate in value, right? And that's why people say, oh, put your money in stock market, put your money in houses and everything. But the problem with that is one, houses are very expensive. Two, it's a lot to maintain. I own a house too. I bought it and I have to pay property taxes. So people think, oh, when you buy a house, that's it. And like, no, you have maintenance, you have property taxes, you have all these things. And so like, when you think about it, owning these assets can be very complicated. So I had to ask myself, how can I build generational wealth for my future families where one day if I die or something, they're not burdened with so much work or taxes? And this was when I learned more about Bitcoin because originally I was really more into gold. Gold has always been the most uh, stable asset for the monetary policy since the Mesopotamia days, like thousands of years. So like you can't fight thousands of years of history where it shows like there's a reason why this precious metal gold has been the standard because you there's it's limited in quantities. It's also the most stable of all the metals. Like it doesn't rust or anything. It lasts for a very long time. You can melt it down and make coins and give it to people. So it's not like diamonds or anything. So gold has been the standard for so long. And then what ended up happening is we didn't want to carry gold with us, right? Because what if you get robbed? You're like walking down the street and people rob you of your gold. So you put your gold in the banks and the banks give you an IOU. And that was the start of the banking system and everything. So like, I don't want to turn this into a history lesson, but I had to learn about this whole process. And that was when I learned more about Bitcoin because I think what I saw, what was disturbing me was our money is depreciating in value. So what can I invest in that I know I can hold and I know it's sound money? Bitcoin was the answer and Bitcoin still is the answer. And the reason being is similar to gold, Bitcoin, there's a limited amount of quantities. There's only 21 million Bitcoin in existence. And We've been mining Bitcoin for the past 12 years, I believe. And we've only mined up to, I believe, like 18 million. So we only have like 3 million left and that's it. There's never going to be any more Bitcoin after that. And you have to see Bitcoin as a, a digital house. It's a digital house. It's like digital land. You know how like land is limited, right? It's a digital land and you own a piece of it. And it's only going to become more and more scarce as time goes on. Because the thing about Bitcoin too is that you're given keys to have access to that Bitcoin. If you lose those keys, you can never, ever retrieve them. That's it. It's like if you lose your money or sometimes like your credit card, you overspend or whatever, the bank can back you up. They can give you money back. With Bitcoin, that's it. It's gone. Once it's gone, it's gone. And so the scarcity will only continue to increase. And two, it's decentralized, meaning that unlike our money that's owned by the government, or other money that's owned by other government, no one owns Bitcoin. There's no CEO. There's no country that owns it. It's truly free. It's an open market. Three, 
you can't make more Bitcoin. So even like US dollars, there's this thing called a super note. It's super legal. Like I think if you buy it on the dark web, there's going to be like feds knocking on your door. It's the most realistic $100 bill that passes everything. Like you would need a crazy forensic scientist to validate if it's real or fake. It's that good. So you can forge really good $100 bills, right? You can't forge a Bitcoin. It's impossible to forge. Literally, like it doesn't work with the protocol. So you can't fake Bitcoin. So you can't do double spend. And the transaction is only between you and the party, meaning like you don't have a third party transaction person that is managing it. It's just you and the person that you're sending it to. So it's truly a free market. Because if you think about it like this, the internet decentralized information, right? Like before it was like radio and, and or books, like printing press, and then like radio and then TV. It was all owned by a few people who own the media. And then the internet just opened the floodgates. But we never really had money that went with this internet. And now we finally do with Bitcoin. And so like to make this more simple, because I know like some people are like, oh, I, I still don't understand this. So it's like, think about it like this. Something is only valuable if it's scarce, right? If there's not a lot of it. So for example, even with gold, let's say like, we can start mining asteroids, right? And there's, we find more pockets of gold on this asteroid, then the value of gold is going to go way down. But that's never going to happen with Bitcoin because you can't make more of it. And so literally the most valuable asset on the planet right now, and I can say this for a fact, is Bitcoin. It is the most, it's the rarest asset. And this is why like people like Elon Musk, they wanted to jump on this because they, they see the potential of this new transfer of wealth that's going to happen in the next 10 years. The new rich and wealthy are not going to be the people that's been printing the money and controlling this whole system for hundreds of years. It's going to be people who were smart enough to know about Bitcoin in a way nerds and buy it and hold on to it. A lot of the people who are holding on to it, and it's interesting because when I meet people in this space, the Bitcoin space in general, they're the smartest people I've ever met in my life. So smart. They understand socioeconomics, they understand geopolitics, everything. And it's like, yes, it makes sense that you should be rich. You should totally be rich because I know you're going to do something about this. Unlike there's other people who have a lot of money and they don't care, you know, because it's been generational and it's like, well, whatever, nepotism. So that's why I believe that Bitcoin is probably the most important movement that's happened since the internet. First, it was the internet and now it's Bitcoin because we have money that goes with the internet. And so this is why I am um, I've been saying this for years to a lot of my friends and colleagues, like if you have some savings, you know, like you can keep it in the bank account. But the thing is like the banks are charging you money to keep the money in there. But if you have Bitcoin, it's only going to increase in value. So like a lot of my friends a few years ago, they, they thought I was crazy, but they're like, you know what, I'll buy a little bit. And the thing is, there's this misconception. People think that you have to buy a full coin. So like right now, I think one is like 50,000, right? You can actually put, you can buy a hundred dollars worth of it. So you can buy it in fractions. That's a huge misconception. A lot of people thought, oh, I can't afford Bitcoins. Like, dude, you're holding a Starbucks cup. You could buy a seven, $7 worth of Bitcoin. In five years, that's probably going to be worth $100, that $7, because it's only going to increase in value. Okay, so long story short, Bitcoin is the best savings technology you can have. If I could just summarize it like that, make it not complicated, it's an adult piggy bank. You put your money in your piggy bank, but then you know how some piggy banks, there's a stopper underneath it, right? And you can pull it out so you don't have to break it. But like this one doesn't have a stopper. So if you really need to liquidate some of your Bitcoin, you have to liquidate it. But you don't have to liquidate all of it. You can liquidate fractions of it because it's going to continue to appreciate in value. 
Um, a lot of people who say like Bitcoin is volatile, it is extremely volatile, just like every other cryptocurrency. But if you zoom out and you look at the last five years, it's literally, it looks like Mount Everest. It's just going up and up and it's only going to continue to go up like for sure. And I said this on a previous podcast and it's funny because people quote me on that on my friend's podcast. At the time, Bitcoin was at 7,000 and I was telling him, yeah, probably end of the year, it's going to be 20 to 30,000 and like it hit 50,000. <laughs> and so like, I'm saying again, Bitcoin right now is at 40, 50. For sure, it's going to be 100,000 end of this year. If you study the charts and everything, and the next few years, it will hit 200,000. And what a lot of the maximalists are hoping for is it'll hit a million eventually. It will hit a million. It's just time. It just takes time to get there. And so like, if you have a piece of it, if you have a little bit of it, use it as your savings account. That is your reserve if something happens you still are able to feed yourself and your family and keep the lights on. Thank you for sharing that with us. Our last question for you, Michelle, is we want to talk about trend predictions. I, I know trend is like kind of a weird word because Sarah and I personally are not like trend people. We like in terms of beauty, we like things that have longevity. We like we know that a trend always comes back around. So it's really not a quote unquote trend, but in your humble opinion, what are some predictions? Like, what do you think we'll see more of in the beauty space or skincare space in the next year? Probably more self-care. I think a lot of brands are going to shift to self-care just because, especially after like last year, I think a lot of people kind of just went through so much. The whole world went through so much. And so I, I think a lot of people are going to want to kind of take a step back, dial back a bit and reset everything. So self-care is going to be a huge trend skincare too. What else? Well, we're on our phones a lot. So I'm, we're going to see a lot of like blue light, blue light, this blue light, that blue light filters, whether it's glasses, skincare, eye makeup, everything. Maybe also I would say like safe makeup. Like right now we're in the clean makeup trend, but I believe the next shift is going to be safe makeup trend. And it, it's hard for me to give a definitive definition of what exactly that means. But, you know, like in the early beginnings, we had makeup and makeup was tested on animals. It's horrible. And then the, the trend after that was we shouldn't be doing this. So cruelty-free. So cruelty-free makeup became the next trend. And after cruelty-free makeup became the next trend, it was organic makeup. And it's interesting because I feel like it does coincides with diet trends. Like people went from bad food to organic food. And so like organic food, organic makeup, then you have vegan makeup. And then you have clean makeup, same thing like vegan food, clean food. So I believe the next trend we're going to see is safe makeup because the problem with even organic makeup or organic industry in general is that it, it's not really regulated. You can pretty much slap a label and just say it's organic and basically get away with it. I'm not saying you can 100% get away with it, but you can. And so I believe there's a lot of misinformation about organic and clean and I'm a huge believer in science and just knowing that something is safe. Like I'm okay with 1% paraben because I'm the type of person where I don't close my shampoo bottle all the way. I'm so lazy. I just pfft, done. So like I know water's going in there. So I'm okay with that 1% paraben keeping the mold away. You know, I'm okay with that. It's not going to kill me. I know some people are very sensitive and they don't like these extra added harmful ingredients, but I believe even harmful is going to be redefined. And so I believe the next shift is going to be safer makeup. So makeup that you know that it's not going to harm you. It's safe. You can leave it open. It's not going to get moldy. Other than that, probably comfortable makeup because 
last year we, we've been wearing masks all the time. People want something comfortable. We've been staying at home wearing sweats. Also like for my brand, like I care so much about comfort. I want to make sure every product that passes and is launched, it's something that you wear and you don't even feel it on your face. And so I don't really see the older Instagram makeup trend. I just don't see that becoming relevant in the next year, like where full face glam, 10 layers of makeup. If anything, I see people adopting better skincare habits and using the right makeup instead of more makeup and having the right techniques. So that's, yeah, that's really where I see the the landscape moving towards. Awesome. Okay. Here's our speed round. What are three brands that you're loving at the moment? Three brands that I'm loving at the moment. I mean, of course, I'm going to think about M. It's my brand. It's my baby. I've been loving Amora Pacific skincare. They have like this luxury uh, line that loving. Um, I've been loving this uh, Etude House. It's a Korean brand. Loving a lot of their stuff too. Can I be honest with you? It's hard for me to just do this these speed rounds with makeup because most of the stuff I'm using are prototypes for my own brand. So I'm using things that we're not going to launch for another year. That's all I'm testing. I don't really test out a lot of other makeup brands. Like sometimes I'll swatch it if I get PR, like I'll test it, I'll swatch it, but I, I don't really use a lot of other stuff. And that's just my honest answer. That's okay. You gave us three, M, Amoy Pacific, and Etude. Yeah, I do love Asian stuff though. I mean, it just fits fits my philosophy more. Okay, uh, what is your favorite way to unwind or de-stress? I'm playing wild riff <laughs> till 3am. Yes. Till 3am. It's my, Oh my gosh. It's my, it's maybe it's not a way for me to unwind. Cause sometimes I get really heated. What is it? What is it? How do you play it? It's a tower defense game. It's actually the most played game on the planet right now. More, more than, um, Fortnite, any of the other games. I think like every day, 20 million players are playing around the world every single day. It's a free to play game. I like to describe it as chess. It's chess, but with characters and um, it's been around for 10 years and AOC even is playing league. So like, yeah, get on that guys. It's fun. (laughs) Don't tell me twice. I love a mobile game for sure. Okay. We know that you have (laughs) as a businesswoman, many business ventures, but do you have a dream business that you want to create in the future that you think one of these days I'll get there? Yes. I've always wanted to create this I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like a future spa where you can get all of your, like any esthetician work, laserings and everything. And then you have like your saunas, like the ultimate self-care experience. I've always wanted to create this because I love self-care. Like sometimes I'll just go to a spa by myself and experience it and be like, if only I could do this, you know, if only I did it like this. So that's like one business I want to get into, but it's just extremely expensive you just have to pay for a lot of equipment and uh, you have to find like the best location. So like, that's one dream thing I want to do. Another one is I've always wanted to make a video game, but that takes a lot of time. But I've always wanted to make, I don't know what type of game, but like the ultimate game that embodies everything I love in life. And I always like to tell people like video games, in my opinion, are the, it's the highest form of art. Like people think it's films and movies, but if you play some of these really good games like Left 4 Dead, not Left 4 Dead, sorry, The Last of Us, um, or even like Grand Theft Auto, you know, or Metal Gear, they're like movies, but better. And then you hear about like Kate Blanchett and a lot of these A-lister stars are now going to be in video games because they know this is the future. So like video games one day, maybe 
I don't have to make it. Maybe I could produce it and fund someone. And I've always wanted to do something in space. The thing is like, my ideas are crazy. And that's why like, I love how the minds of like Elon Musk and how they're thinking, like they want to become, like he wants us to become interstellar species, which I agree. I think we can get there. It's just, we got to fix what's on our planet right now because our we're so broken as a civilization. So we got to fix us first. And then we can venture off into space because it doesn't make sense to go and explore space when our own planet's broken. You know, like you don't want to carry the traumas of our broken planet to other planets, right? That's something maybe in my next lifetime I can get into, but yeah, top three things. Yep. I love that. Okay. What is your favorite part of your astrological chart? Probably my Virgo moon. Oh, Virgo moon. Yeah, I'm a Virgo moon. I just want to save the world. I want to save people, but I can't even save myself. So I'm conflicted. (laughs) We love an earth sign, obviously, over here. You are a famous actress. You're about to appear in a huge blockbuster movie. Who is your preferred co-star? Maybe Kate Blanchett. I mean, I've watched so many of her movies and she's so good. Wow, I saw her recently in Blue Jasmine and wow, like it doesn't even feel like she's acting. It's either between her or what's his name? Gary Ullman. He's so he's so talented. Like this guy can act. It's so funny. Sometimes I'm watching a movie and then at the end it shows the credits and like Gary Ullman, like what? He was in this movie? Like completely disappears into his roles. Like he's phenomenal. But like when it comes to like acting abilities, definitely Kate Blanchett, Gary Ullman. But I guess like if I just want to have fun maybe you know what I mean like I just want to like troll and have fun and just do dumb things it doesn't even have to be an actor it could be someone that you just want to hang out with in a movie together I don't know I feel like Angelina Jolie is kind of cool oh you know who Megan Fox Mm. Megan Fox is so like I just think she's so cool like she is so different than all the other celebrities like she's also into she has like a lot of similar interests as me, like astrology, uh, just ancient civilizations and histories. Like she's really into that stuff. And I just feel like I would totally vibe with her. Oh my God. I'd love to love to see that movie. It could be like Jennifer's body two or something. No, she's like mad cool, but yeah, definitely like, so like Kate Blanchett, Gary Ullman for the acting abilities, but Megan Fox is about, I just want to hang out and just have fun with a homie. Amazing. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on Los Angeles. We Loved this conversation. Remind everybody when they can pick up Moonbeam and where they can find you and M Cosmetics. Yes, Moonbeam, you can find it at mcosmetics.com and you can find me, you just type in my name and I'm going to be somewhere. She'll pop up. She'll pop up. I'll pop up somewhere. Yeah. Amazing. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this interview with Michelle. If you loved it, please be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, follow us on Spotify, and you can find all of our episodes on our website, glossangelespod.com. Also, we're on social. So Los Angeles Pod on Instagram and Twitter and join our Facebook group. Let us know if you pick up Moonbeam and what your preferred shade is in the Los Angeles Glam Gelino Facebook group. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.